Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 91. The big 9-1. And I'm just picturing uh, a a sunny summer afternoon and you hear a crack of the bat. Oh my. (laughs) And the crowd goes wild. As he's rounding the bases. So we had... uh, Mr. Brace Hemelgarn on the episode, who is the official Twins photographer, and Minnesota Twins. For those of you who don't know, it's the, our professional baseball team. Yeah, it's and a, that's what that with that clever bit at the top of this intro was. Yeah, alluding to opening day, which was just a, a few a few short hours ago. Uh, so he's he's took time out of his busy schedule to meet with us, and it was really supremely interesting. We talked about a, a an aptly named topic. Major League uh, We were talking about leveling up We were talking about bringing your specific brand of creativity To a greater overall brand And what sort of specific sort of proficiencies And protocols you had to take to succeed within a quote-unquote Major League Yeah, it was a really cool opportunity to talk with him We're from the same hometown, which is a treat But more importantly, it's it's his perspective that's super interesting It's uh, well, He's one of a literal, I think we talked about this on the episode a literal like 12 to 20 <laughs> yeah exactly official team photographers in baseball so uh, in, by the very nature of it he has a, a unique perspective definitely and uh, I mean he's a photo boy he's a photo boy and is this gonna be Jermaine to our sponsor <laughs> wow yes it is Jermaine to our sponsor shouts out to death to stock uh, that is the platform slash brand slash thing I do a lot of work on and for and what Death to Stock does is support different artists every month. And a lot of those are photographers. And I'm really proud to be a part of it. And uh, we provide high quality premium photos that are not stock. You know, not stock. It's stock, but it's not stock. Exactly. It's uh, the approach and, and their, um, their episode with us way back was, was no middleman, right? Yes. Eliminating the, the barriers between creativity and propagating more creativity. Yes. And um, that's really what they do. And that's what they're doing right now by supporting the show. And that's what uh, Death to Stock will continue to do. So shouts out to Death to Stock and uh, deathtothestockphoto.com if you want to just check out some of the dope stuff we've been and doing. you should. You, yeah, you absolutely should. Yeah. So thank you to those guys for a great platform and for supporting us and for being former guests. And thank you to our most recent guest, Brace Hemelgarn. Hemelgarn. Uh, you Jeez. looked at me and I just... I was going to do Hagelstrom. That's not right. <laughs> what? That's not right. It's just not right. Thank you, Brace, for a very insightful and generous conversation. Hey, thank Th- you, Grant. <laughs> thank you, Vince. Thank you for thanking me, Vince. Thank you for thanking me for thanking you. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week and every week. Hope you enjoy episode 91, Major League. Must Same. yell their opinions. Ooh, respect. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty quiet too. I'm loud as fuck. <sighs> Vinny. Grant, my good friend. Sweet baby Vince. We've been on this roll a little bit lately. I like it in terms of recording more frequently. Love it. What a treat. Oh, it's the best. Really, it is. 
Oof, oof, oof. It feels good. And we're also on another roll, but we'll get to that. And actually, I feel like I'm on a roll too, because sometimes I get in this funk where I just like talk and talk and talk at the start of this thing instead of just being direct. And it's just good to sort of really hit my stride with how this part goes. I, You have I, to agree. <laughs> I agree trepidatiously. I agree. Vinny, can you tell me, what are you working on? What are you putting your time into? Uh, definitely. Uh, putting in a lot of hours. This will be the answer for a couple episodes ago and for a few episodes in the future, I'm sure. Uh, the Excel work uh, with Yamamoto is super busy. It's all hands on deck. It's a lot of hours. Uh, but I will break a, a little rule I had for myself in talking about the other show uh, that I do, these parts. Wow, you're breaking that rule. That's so, I so haven't noble mentioned of you. It, I haven't mentioned it by name for a long time, but we are having a f- personal friend of both of ours on. Who's that? Laura Fitzpatrick will be oh, joining us. Oh, what a gem. Love uh, it. This weekend to record. So Sick. I have been putting some I'm excited to well. listen to that. Yeah, she's really funny, uh, really smart as a whip, and I think it's going to be a really a good episode. Dude, cool. I was like chatting with her recently. I like was suggesting we write some stuff. She's a good collaborator. That's, what I'm that's something that everyone will agree with. Uh, so yeah, that's been taking some time too. Grant, what have you been putting your time um, to recently? Just got a few photo sets published. I've been shooting a bunch, and now I'm trying to like chill out from shooting. It's like too much in one category, but um, yeah, I got some video projects, some pitching, some music videos, things like that uh, coming up here, and uh, just jamming on some stuff right before. Uh, I mean, now we're dating it, but I'm going to Coachella next weekend. Oh, very so, exciting. Yeah, Are not you, bad. You geared up for that? What? You geared up for that? You, you re- looking forward yeah, to I'm, it? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's a pretty magical time. <laughs> From the stories I heard about last year, magic is the right word. Magic indeed. So I was alluding to this role, this other role that we've been on, which is in-person guests. What a treat, man. Truly, yes. We get super hyped about this. Because a lot of our guests are phoning in, and they're also phoning in the actual... And phoning it in. <laughs> yeah, so, man. Because this is a call out to the 80 plus guests that we've had that haven't been in person. Our middle fingers Here's are looking up to you. at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm super excited to have, have this dude on. I feel like we've been, I don't say orbiting each other, but I've been aware of what he's been up to. We've tried to meet up. I'm pretty sure uh, we were shooting some stuff with Vasky at, uh, and I'll give this away, at the Twin Stadium which give you some hints. If you guys are putting the puzzle together at home. <laughs> As I know you like to do. Uh, orbiting Grant's social space. Twins. Interesting, interesting. Pause it. Now go do some research. <laughs> nah, I'm fucking with you. Nah, Look uh, at this guy. He's just confused. He's like, what, <laughs> what kind of show is this? <laughs> already a great sport. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Joining us from his position as the... <laughs> If you can clarify this in a second, I think official team official photographer. Official team photographer for the Minnesota Twins. And he's got like he's got the branded fleece on. Is it a fleece? It it's is not a fleece. fleece. Oh, it's quarter like, zip. Wow, a quarter, quarter zip. Quarter zip. That's a fine fleece. <laughs> that is. Look at that, man. Excellent. And a fun fact: we're from the same hometown. Wow, I actually did. I think that that's what I meant right when I was saying we were orbiting each other. Oh, okay, makes a lot of sense. Uh, now. This last name I just got for the first Brace time. Brace Hemelgarn, welcome to the show. <laughs> Brace Hemelgarn. Thank thanks for having me. Now, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're a very interesting guy. I'm a fan of your work. It's work I get to see on occasion uh, in advertising because uh, so many agencies touch the twins here in town. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, it sounds so funny when you say it like that. But especially uh, an agency that Yamamoto and myself has a lot of respect for in Periscope. Uh, so I've seen your work. I'm a fan, and thank you for joining us. And may I ask you, what have you been putting your time into recently? Just kicked off the season, so uh, spent a, a little month down in Fort Myers at spring training and trying to make the guys look good in the sun and send some warm vibes back up to Minnesota. And season kicked off this week and a little 39 degree opening day, but hopefully it warms up here. 39 degrees. I love Minnesota. Ain't, <laughs> ain't 30, it something? 39 in April. Uh, yeah, opening day for the Twins. Any non-baseball fans out there, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, first of 182. 160, right? 162. 162. I've been counting. I'm counting <sighs> the playoffs. I'm counting the playoffs that we're go. going to make this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll get 20 games in there. <laughs> it's a World yeah. Series title. How's, this is an aside, but how's the squad looking? We have a lot of promise. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> what a diplomat. Yeah, he, <laughs> he knows how guys. to talk about it. Uh, well, future's bright. I'm, I will say that. I love it. I love it. You're an optimist. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe we can start. I feel like this is especially interesting. Uh, if we could just start by talking a little bit biographically, perhaps we introduce the topic first, Vince? Yes, and the topic is going to make a lot of sense, maybe even too much sense. No, a little too the much perfect sense. amount of sense. Uh, it's Major League. Basically, not not the great movie from the 80s. The, oh, fantastic <laughs> flick. Really? Aren't there two? Major League 2? There is, There's... and and it's a revered movie and still somehow underrated. Mm. But Charlie Sheen, man. At the height of his... Thing his functionality. The wild thing. <laughs> yeah, almost like, I feel like his character he plays now is like a shitty version of that guy. True. <laughs> True. A morally and physically bankrupt version <laughs> of that character. Uh, but what the Major League conversation is about is kind of a, it's a leveling up conversation. Mm-hmm. It's taking your craft to the highest level in some ways, but also it's learning to work within something, a league. It's uh, your personal art and how it adapts to sometimes rigid, but always specific environments, brand guidelines, situations, etc. We think you're a perfect person to ask about it. But maybe first we can come to understand how you got attached to this very specific major league. How did you go from photographer to the official photographer for the Minnesota Twins? I started back at St. John's when I was a student there. Uh, I was in graphic design, did mm. a lot of work with the athletic department there. Uh, they happened to have some camera equipment and picked that up. And I was like, if I'm designing magazines and tickets, mm. I might as well use my own photos. So started with that and... I've been told all along that I've I've been a better photographer than graphic designer, so I kind of agree with that. Uh, I started as a part-time gig with the Twins in 2011, my junior year of college. Okay. Made a lot of trips from Collegeville to Minneapolis back and forth, but uh, was part-time from 2011 to the end of 2013, and uh, 2014 I was offered a full-time gig. Got called up. (laughs) Got called up for the full-time gig with the big leagues, and... Hometown did team. They have, and... Did they have a draft? And <laughs> with the first selection. <laughs> I uh, wish. Uh, how did you, how did you first get engaged with them? In terms of like, did you apply for something or did you hit them up? Uh, I was a freelancer my sophomore year of college. Right when as Charlie, a photographer, as, as a, a sports photographer? photographer, as a sports photographer. Cool. So, so, as, so you kind of niched out right away. Yeah, I I've realized I wasn't good enough to play sports beyond college, so yeah. I wanted to find something else to do. So this is really interesting yeah. right off the bat, though. You mentioned this off air, so this is a cardinal sin of radio and podcasting, but uh, that your interest in being a sports photographer kind of grew organically out of your interest in sports, 
maybe or maybe not necessarily out of photography. Do you want to investigate that just a little bit for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I was always interested in photography. Like, my dad take, took photos of us growing up playing sports and stuff. But when I was at St. John's, I was just strictly, I just want to shoot sports. I don't want to do anything else. And my last week on campus, I started shooting campus, I sh- uh, just like the lakes and the trees. And I kind of realized, I, like, I've been missing out on a lot of a lot of stuff. <laughs> and as, as that grew on, I've just grown into... I like like landscape, but I mean, I get paid to shoot sports stuff, so I'm going to do that a little more. But just trying to find a something else outside my niche of sports, and yeah. just trying to be more creative and see things a little differently. I mean, I feel like there are two things to me that are super interesting about that. One is the idea that you're passionate about a thing, and you're basically just finding a way to get involved in it or be involved in it. For me, with photo stuff, even it's like, oh, I love music, and now it's like I get to use photography just as a way to access like artists or music or whatever, that scene, that's really cool. The other thing is, uh, I mean, this is like a longer conversation, but like having a really narrow focus, I feel like that allows you to level up quicker within, within even the craft and like get to some levels that you wouldn't. I mean, there's, it would be really hard for me, I think, to become a sports photographer versus just because even based on like my body of work, let's call that, it's just like, it's when you start there and you really like dig into it. I think that's really awesome. And then of course you can always like shift and, and adapt and evolve, but having a narrow focus right away is just a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, from day one, my portfolio has been all sports. So it's, it's been growing in that sense from since I started. So I'm kind of curious as someone who is a huge fan of, of casual fan of sports photography, but not really well versed in the art of it. Can you give us a little bit of insight? What makes a good hmm. sports photographer against the lens of what makes a good photographer? Obviously, there's going to be things that overlap, but what specifically makes a good sports photographer, in your opinion? I guess for me, it's a, it's a background of knowing the game, especially mm. baseball being around the game, uh, knowing tendencies of players, where they, where they like to hit, what kind of situations are coming. Could there be a double play or uh, pitchers tend to throw off speed? Are there going to be ground balls hit the other side of the field if you want to shoot defense? There's a lot of different things that go into just baseball, but, I mean, other sports too with hockey or basketball. It's You kind of got to know the players or the systems, and the more you shoot, the more you the learn you learn the players and you learn what they like to do during the games or what they tend to do, and you kind of try to plan ahead. I mean, you got to get lucky for big moments to happen in, happen in, in games, but you, gotta be, you also got to be good enough to capture them as well. Yeah, that's super interesting. I always am struck by the ability of sports photographers to work in – what I'll loosely define as a historical context, being able to capture these very specific moments. I saw an, an aerial shot of uh, just today on the internet, which is very apropos, of uh, Muhammad Ali knocking out uh, his opponent, and the overhead shot was amazing. The symmetry between Ali with the signature extended hands and the opponent sprawled out on Oof. his back. Uh, but those very historic sports moments can only be brought to life through a photographer with intuition. So through that, I I really am fascinated by how you hone, and it sounds like from your perspective, it's simply like familiarizing yourself with the situations, knowing the statistical probabilities, and it's a lot more mathematical than I would have anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the same thing right away, but I now that I'm thinking about it more, it's it makes sense. My first, we both kind of like looked at each other when you said that, like, oh yeah, it might be a ground ball on the far side. You know, you know, you're gonna want to, and it's like, oh wow, he's really thinking it through. But 
I'm thinking about even when I was on tour with Gallant on the last thing, it was like by night, like eight, I knew he was going to hit the ground during bourbon. Like, and so I'm positioning myself to catch him like going crazy. It's the same thing. You just, I mean, step one is, are you good with your camera, you know, with the actual craft? And then step two is like now with the environment, within the environment and like learning about that and finding the rhythm within that. It's a little, it's a little different than, I mean, when I do portraits of the guys, it's like, Oh, yeah. If I mess something up or if I need to do something different, I can reshoot it. You're shooting sports. If you miss a home run swing or something, I mean, it, it's not going to happen again. You're you're screwed, I guess. So it's you got to be on your toes at all times, and yeah. hopefully you don't. There is that level of... It's like a game within the game. Yeah, there's a stakes to it. That Does that put a lot of pressure on you? Do you feel pressure during like a game? Do you feel like you're under constant threat of missing something or what does that mental process look like for you i try to make sure i get everything but it, i mean it, it's sports you're bound to miss something you might be walking do you shoot game. every game uh pretty much every home game okay. a few games on the road so yeah that's about and with spring training probably about 95 games a year 100 games a year Oof. so and you're shooting the same guys over and over so you gotta you gotta change them change stuff up at times and yeah different angles but it's you're bound to miss stuff and you just don't let it affect you and you just keep shooting i mean mm-hmm. You just hope you capture something. If you miss the home run swing, you can maybe still get him run around the bases, or maybe he's going to celebrate a little mm-hmm. better. But at the same time, it's you have no idea. Huh. I'm kind of curious, just, just like schedule wise, logistically, like what does what does the job look like? It's a, is it not, not? It's not a nine to five, obviously. No, I mean in the off season. <laughs> in the off season, it kind of is, but during the regular season, it's. I mean, I'm in the office at nine a.m. editing, mm-hmm. trying to get. That's a lot of people don't get uh, realize yeah. is that. If you shoot a game, it's you have more editing after that, and people just think you take pictures and you're done. But if you shoot a game, that cannot I'm, be less true. Yeah, in 2016, I'm back. I'm back in the office at 9 a.m. editing until 4:35, and then on the field for some batting practice, and then the game starts, and game gets done at 10:30, 11. You save some photos for social media, and you're back in the office the next day. So if you're on a homestand, it's how it's, quickly can you turn those photos around though? Let's say if they want to run like something in the paper the next day. Is there any chance that you can get from the night's game, like, photos? Do you edit on site, or do you come in really early and do it? I edit on site a lot. and I, I have a, a wireless transmitter now, too, so if I'm on the field and someone, something big happens, I can send it to my phone, mm. which I can then edit with and throw it up on Instagram or something quick and send it to our social media department. So mm-hmm. it's just the, the effect of having photos up instantly in term in, in baseball is like a big thing. If someone hits a home run, you throw it up on Instagram within ten minutes. It's it's bound to get more attention than it would mm-hmm. a couple hours later. Totally, that's interesting. Um, man, I'm I I we probably shouldn't go down this rabbit hole, but I am super <laughs> curious about just like process slash even some things like file naming. Just because that at that we don't have to. The sheer, I mean, the sheer volume though of the pictures you yeah, take. Yeah, that like really, must be inter- That's interesting you, to me. Are you a Lightroom guy? Or I'm a Lightroom. I okay. use Photo Mechanic and Lightroom. Okay, cool. How many pictures a night would you say that you t- that you take in the rawest sense? Slash, how many do you actually like output? I may be shooting anywhere from a thousand to two thousand a night, depending on the game. Uh-huh. If there's a day game, I might tend to shoot more if the jersey looking nice, but. I maybe end up keeping anywhere between 500 to 1,000 a game. Oh, my God. Plus, you got to tag and archive every photo, and oh. <laughs> so that way it's searchable down the road. That's prolific. And see, this is something that's really a product of being in a major league. That yeah. sounds excruciatingly daunting to me, like like unimaginably just dense. 
But that's just the nature of what you have to do. You need to be not only intuitive with which photos you take, but also so ready just to keep taking photos, snapping all the time to make sure that you have a body of work that's that's fitting of what they require. Man, super interesting. I'm just I'm just realizing how many parallels there are between like being on a tour slash just concert stuff. It's so similar. It's just like I mean conceptually. Yeah. It's- yeah. A part of the being in a major league that I thought was really interesting, major league in quotes always, just assume air quotes around that assume. every time. Yeah. Um, being attached to the Twins, which has such a strong and prolific brand like any major sports team would, what sort of parameters do you have to work within? Do they set any barriers? Are there sort of mm. brand guidelines, certain ways they want their players portrayed that they relate to you? Or do you have a lot of freedom in that? I guess I have a lot of freedom from a design standpoint. We get the style guide and such from Periscope every year to follow. But as a photographer, it's I just go and shoot, and mm-hmm. they use whatever. I mean, it's I could be more creative and if people don't tell me what to do, and I can just think on my own. And, I mean, daytime shots tend to get used a lot more, but it's, I mean, you just got to, I'm on my own kind of out there and a little free fall. You try to, you try to, you try to show the guys in a positive manner. I mean, Winning or losing, you always try to be positive about the team. That's about the only thing. It's yeah. so. Is there, is there any like sort of conversation around showing players if it's a like imagine it's a close loss? Can you show disappointment? Can you show sort of a resignation? Are you always supposed to show resiliency, positivity? Because anyone who knows sports knows that there are moments where your own team seems defeated in a way, but. I'll right. shoot it. I definitely will shoot it. I mean, as a photographer, if something big happens for a visiting team, I'm going to shoot it. Just I'm a I'm a historian in a sense. I like to oh. think so. It's I'm going to shoot it, but I might not necessarily use it. If we lose a close game or whatever, I'm probably not going to promote it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to keep it from my archive and maybe have it as a portfolio shot. Down Interesting. The road. Yeah. So are you thinking about a game conceptually as like a narrative? Yeah. It's you're trying to tell a story, yeah. especially th- throughout the game. It's you're a big play happens or you're, you're telling a story through photos. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. lot easier for me than using words. I tell it through pictures. Cool. Super cool. Yeah. Really interesting. I am kind of curious. I, I think it's, I think I have two questions, but I am curious about, you know, we talked about narrowing your focus and focusing on sports and building a niche there. But do you, do you feel like, or do you think about like a niche within that niche as in like, your style of sports photography, you know, is do, is it, do you aim to be knowable in that way? I guess so. I'm still young. So that's, I'm still yeah. trying to learn from other people, other teams. And mm-hmm. whenever I travel yeah, with others. Do, do you talk to the photographers on the other teams? Yeah. I mean, when we, when I travel, yeah. I go to all-star games, I'll try to, I mean, I'm only 26. I feel yeah. like everyone that I work with is a little bit older oh, and they've gee. been around the game a lot more and I try to pick their brain and learn from them and hopefully hopefully this continues to grow and I can establish something, but at the same time, it's, I'm still learning every day. Mm-hmm. And I ho- hopefully will be for a while. That's super interesting line of questioning. I have two questions that come from that question. Wow. First, not to put you on the spot at all. And if you, if you don't have a good answer, that's totally fine. Do you have any f- photographers or sports photographers specifically yeah. that you look to for inspiration? I guess, I don't know necessarily off the top of my head. Uh, I know the Dodgers guy, John Sue is his name. Uh, he's kind of he's a very big deal, and maybe not in sports photography, but also just in the small baseball market. He's a he's a guy I kind of follow, or I originally started following, and see what how he shot the Dodgers and made them look. And uh, 
you kind of, like I said earlier, you, got, you learn from other people and you take ideas from them. People take ideas from you and you kind of just try to grow your brand and you kind of take from, like, build your own piece of the puzzle, I guess. Mm-hmm. 100%. And uh, by the way, great answer. Put you on the spot yeah, and you had one. It's interesting. I mean, you just start to see all the parallels. I mean, in I mean, we both have writers we love. We both have designers, whatever. It's just like, it makes oh, sense. of course, of course there are, like, influences within it. How would you describe your own if you if you had Ooh. maybe one or two senses to describe your own personal take on sports photography? Knowing, of course, that you've already said the president that you are young, you're developing. I think we all are within our own crafts. What is your personal approach to sports photography? In in a little pitch, just trying to be. Quick. Oh, a pitch that was so clever, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually. And I didn't really accept that one. it. Okay. I guess just with the repetitive repetitiveness of baseball, just trying to show up every day and like be creative and not not shoot baseball the same way every day. Mm. And this is interesting. I swear to you, as I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, this is a visual cue. This, this is, is a visual a cue that our, our audio show is famous for. Yo, we're so good at it. <laughs> we, I would say, two to three times a show, do something visually that they can't that our, possibly. Our see. listeners cannot relate to in any way. And then actually, it would be fun if we just didn't acknowledge it and like didn't describe it from here but i will say so i was writing in my notebook and i wrote down as you were saying that uh what keeps you interested and i mean that is like because i even think about like shooting a concert or something what kept me interested when i went on tour with those guys was like i mean was just like learning about the thing like learning about the same show every night yeah yeah so it's like a little bit like "Eh." what what i what i really loved was i did this like double portrait series of him uh, where it's like I like multiple versions of him that I photo. So it's just like I had like a little project within the project that kept me really hyped. Yeah, I mean that's with baseball. You're trying to find different angles every day with mm-hmm. sun or I mean that's the cool thing with being outside. You get storms and clouds change colors and it's yeah. like, it's just it's man. Different. And what a fucking visual environment yeah, a baseball I mean, game. Baseball then in Target Field you got the Minneapolis skyline. I mean it's it's just, a beautiful yeah. stadium too. Yeah, as someone who's only sort of a well, he's also a Brewers fan, but kind of a tertiary fan of baseball. I love going to games yeah. at Target Field just because it's such a beautifully crafted stadium. And that's the cool thing about traveling to other parks, too. You get to see, Ooh. like, like Pittsburgh has the whole skyline, the river, bridges. I mean, it's... But then also when you're there, you, you get to see... You shoot differently, too, because every... It's a cool thing. It's not like basketball or football where everything's the same almost. Mm-hmm. Baseball, every field is different. Yeah, they are true. super true. unique. The photo, that is true. Like, the photo spots are in a different spot on every at every field. They're not, like no field is the same in terms of what location the photo wells in. It's That's like, kind of fun. That'll keep you yeah, engaged. Uh, do you have a favorite away stadium to shoot in? I like Pittsburgh a lot. Mainly, just the ballpark was visually appeasing. Mm. Uh, other than that, I mean, have you met the Dodgers guy? By the way. I have not. He okay. was here for the All Star game in 2014. Yeah, but I was way too busy running around. Yeah, he. Oh up. yeah, the game I was here. That's kind of okay. Yeah, so I had. You're the home photographer. That's kind of a big deal. I bet, right? You're like that was, that a little was, bit of pressure. It was fun, and that was that was my first full time year, so that was a little. Wow, was, talk about going right into the fire. <laughs> yeah, I like, think it was 24, and you got people trying to come up to you. It's you grow really fast. Yeah, it was a very good learning experience. So that is actually. Mm, we could take credit for it, but we ought not to because we, we didn't engineer it this way. But a great segue into a question I was really hoping to ask. As someone who is still so young in such a high station with so few, I mean, Major League Baseball official photographer, there is maybe a little over... It's 32, It's between probably. 30 and 40. 
Yeah, there's 30 teams and oh, 30, I'd, okay. I'd probably say maybe 15 of the teams have full-time photographers. Oh, wow. There's a few, there's still a handful of teams that do contract work and just right photographers on a daily basis. So I imagine as someone who went from an interest in photography to one of a couple dozen at most people in your exact position in the country, what sort of growing up or major leaguing did you have to do as a professional to to make the transition? I guess the biggest thing for me being a Minnesotan and a big baseball fan is quit being a fan. Ooh, like, interesting. When you're shooting the game and a big moment happens, like you got to be ready to... You gotta, <laughs> no cheering. You're working, you know, it's... Outside the moment, you can realize how cool it was, and but you're, I mean, you're editing, you see, like, that's awesome. But when you're in the moment, you have to be focused and working and uh. not necessarily be, like, you can be a fan of the team, but don't show your emotions. And There's an interesting parallels here, too, with, like, music. So I feel like one thing I've tried to do with even, like, I shot this thing called CrossFest a few weeks ago or a month ago, and I just shot film, and I, like was pretty specific about what I was what I was shooting. And I was shooting for a magazine that was like more focused on lifestyle. And so I didn't have to because I kinda don't like shooting concerts. But because you like going to the concert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The concert. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But there is an interesting balance of like <laughs> like I wanna stay a fan within that stuff. So sometimes I'm like pushing away from being too professional almost just because I don't want to not ruin you don't want the work to be sterile though, right? Yeah. There's a level of passion that a home team has for their team and that i imagine maybe correct me if i'm wrong please set set the record straight if you can you want some degree of that passion to come through in the photography but at the same time you have to be prepared to divorce yourself from the actual passion of the moment in order to better capture it yeah i mean you're you're a fan of the team but you're working it's you're so focused on shooting that it's i don't know you don't I don't realize how cool of the moment it is until after it happens. Yeah. I mean, it's friends will talk to you all the time and be like, how do you, it's like, I don't know, I'm working. And then after that, I'll, I'll worry about that stuff later. Mm-hmm. Man, super interesting. Okay. I do, as we're thinking about that and you're like in the major leagues, you're at the thing, whether that's the concert or the game, whatever, you're interacting with a lot of people who like this, they're there because they're playing the game or they're singing or whatever. How has, I'm just like, I'd be curious to hear a little bit about how that dynamic has gone for you in terms of dealing with players who are kind of like, don't give a shit about your art, right? I mean, yeah. not that they're, but it's like, they're not there to like be well right. photographed not for to you. Say, yeah. Not to say that they're hopelessly aloof or anything yeah, or, yeah. or like look down on photographers. They're just not there to care about the photography. Yeah, they're and, there they, to and care they also like, you don't want to be in the job. way. Right. Yeah, they're doing their own job. Yeah. And you're just they're doc- working you're too. documenting them doing their job. <laughs> yeah. And you're trying to make them look good. But yeah. I mean, it's a lot of that is establishing a reputation with them. Yeah. I mean, that you're trying to photograph them in a positive light. You're trying to establish their brand and the twins brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what my, I just had my sixth opening home opener yesterday. So wow. it's, the longer you work with guys, the more credibility. Before, I mean, the first yeah. couple of years, most of the guys like, they don't really know who you are. You're around, but the more you're around and the more they realize and they see your work and they see what you do, it's, mm-hmm. it, it helps me as a photographer more because maybe they'll, they act to the camera more and have a little fun and poke fun with me. And it makes for better photos. And they're not worried moments. Yeah, they're not worried that you're going to be like working on your own agenda trying to catch them doing something embarrassing or they that you're going to publish photos that they they don't look that great in. 
once there's a level of trust, I imagine that has to improve the work in general. I mean, oh, that's far. This, yeah. this is so applicable, not even just in photo, photo stuff. I mean, it definitely is in photography, relationship stuff, building trust. But across the board, if you're managing a client, if you're a designer, if you're a, it's building up some level of trust and credibility with them. And to some degree, like being, I don't want to say assertive, but managing them. Because at the end of the day, they want a really good thing too. And there's this like kind of natural awkwardness between, you know, there's this friction. And so I think it's on you to like make sure they know that you're trying to do good for them and then figure out ways to help them help you. <laughs> Definitely. I'm reminded, I just had a conversation with a coworker. He's a little bit newer to the job than I am, but we work as partners a lot. Hmm. And we have this client, and they had a what we would both constitute as a pretty stupid request. Yeah. Like, it's trivial, it's meaningless. They want to make the product slightly worse for no good reason. And in the presentation where we were reacting, he like made a face, but I jumped right in and said, "Yeah, we'll do it, no problem." And we had a big argument, kind of a blowout afterwards mm-hmm. about what I did. He's like, "Well, you were." In a non-cynical way, we're trying to do what's best for the client. We want to give the client the best work. And I said, yes, you're right. And to do that, we need to start by fostering a relationship Mm. of positivity. If we want to sell more interesting, creative ideas down the line, we can't draw a hard line in the sand every time they have a a minor infringement upon the idea. Mm -hmm. And so that really, it's, it's interesting to think about that. It's kind of a classic advertising problem. But in more more artistic pursuits like photography, do you do you ever have to do something where you're like, I know that they'll like it, despite the fact that I would maybe do it a little bit differently? Or do you have like the sphere of creative influence that you can kind of do whatever you want, whenever you want? I mean, there's a handful of times willing to go shoot something and they want something specific. But I guess I'd say 95% of the time with the twins, I'm on my own creative agenda. I'll... I'll get an email or a phone call. Hey, I need to I need you to shoot this, and I'm just on my own creative wheel and do shoot however I want. Mm-hmm. And I guess very rarely they come back to say they want something different. I mean, it's I feel like I'm better when people don't tell me how to shoot it; they just tell me what to shoot, mm-hmm. and I can let the creative creativity flow in my head. Totally. I mean, that's that's the thing is most especially. So this is an interesting situation. You're within an organization where. You're there, camp, <laughs> and down goes the mic, <laughs> and down goes the mic. Classic. Um, but you're sort of like on an island as as the disciplinarian uh, the of photographer, and so it's like it's a lot. Like I think this is where sometimes people get twisted, especially if they're going into the arts in some way, and it's, and then even if they're working within organizations or for brands, whatever, is like. No one is necessarily going to tell you how or what to do. Like, it's kind of on you to, like, figure that out and just go do it. And I feel in photography, too, there's some – a lot of people might like one of my photos, but I might make – I might like another one better. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's – everybody has their own opinion on art, I feel like. And Mm -hmm. there's no – necessarily no right or wrong, I guess, of – when it comes to a particular photo. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the nature of art. And it's interesting because I think one of the hallmarks of being in the – again, quote-unquote, major leagues is mutual trust. Clearly, the twins trust you to exercise your artistic vision because they give you so much creative freedom. And I think that they work together to produce a really good result. Mm -hmm. Bit of a dance. 
It's a it's an intimate dance uh, with uh, with a beat that is Intwi- always different. In- entwined bodies, sort of <laughs> undulating, <laughs> dipping to the beat. Um, it is so warm in here. It's pretty hot. <laughs> My fleece is getting a yeah little yeah. Right the, now. <laughs> <laughs> the quarter zip. It's times like these. I bet you wish you had a half zip. Uh, yeah. Um, when we're talking about m- major leagues. We are also talking about expectations and sometimes defying mm. those expectations. Mm, or defiling them. Or defiling the expectations in a what would be an unexpected and surprising way. And perhaps to give some more context to this conversation, what prompted me to hit up Brace and say, hey, come on the show, was a little video of him down at spring training. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a real delightful uh, prank, if you will. It got our attention. Yeah. His, the quality of his work got him up on the show. But yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to get our attention, yeah. this was the moment. For sure. And we'll show notes that. But uh, we're talking about pranks in this week's Off Topic Topic. So every week we like to talk about something that's not particularly germane to the topic. Particularly germane. <laughs> Uh, and this week it's about pranks. Grant, why don't you detail the, the specific prank to give yeah, us some Yeah, sure. I mean, I definitely want to hear Brace's uh, <laughs> opinion on this. But essentially what happened was Brace was called into the office and they had several hidden cameras set up. And uh, I don't know who that was. Was that the GM or someone? Was that that uh, was my boss. Your boss. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. And his boss uh, called him in very sternly. It was, uh, there was, there was tension from the get go. It was very <laughs> unexpected. And, and, and he, he, I think he says, like, I'm just going to be really direct with you here. Like you're, we're like flying you home. Uh, I don't know who the other, he said, he mentioned someone else. I don't know what happened, but X person had an issue with what you're doing. You're becoming and a distraction. I into it saying that he, they didn't like what I was doing. Yep. And- yep. And uh, and just he man he played it so well just real straight faced and kept escalating it and sweet sweet brace over here is just like <laughs> nodding and like yeah 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 and you can just you can like physically see My his heart chest like oh yeah <laughs> oh. but but he's not arguing he's not right oh. back he's just like kind of confused but like taking I taking didn't know the what beating. I did wrong that was yeah. the thing yeah well, I was I, I neither did I really it confusing right. and it was so fucking beautiful like toward toward the end of that he said something like oh yeah you're gonna you we got a flight home for you tonight but. And Brace goes, my my family's coming down, <laughs> and like I think you said, Steph was there. Or something? Yeah, that was my yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, so and Steph. Family, they were flying down the next day. Yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> my. <laughs> no. And that's just, what my boss had no idea what to say after that. So. Yeah, it's just like oh, it was broken. That was amazing. And then uh, a couple of days came running in. And, yeah, uh, Kyle Gibson, one of our pitchers, and then our yeah. our travel guy came in and. That was a good. One. I didn't even realize laugh. it was a prank right away. I I still had a dead stare when yeah Kyle got in my face. <laughs> That was beautiful. Wow. Man. Well, you know, as someone who's been fired, I I know that the moment nice. of, <laughs> the moment of like uh, shock it takes a little while to wear off. That is, uh, how'd you feel when you got pranked initially? What was going through your head during that moment of shock? And how'd you feel after you realized it was a prank? I was heartbroken to begin with. I had no idea what I did wrong. Yeah. That was the thing. I was just like trying to think in my head, and I somehow held it together and didn't cry. That was, a, that was <laughs> yeah. a shock. I mean, my dream job and everything, and everyone was like, that's so mean. <laughs> I, like, I survived. And then afterwards, it was like, all right. It's, I mean, it's uh, kind of part of the team. I mean, everyone. Ah. Did you, you feel included? Was it kind of an inclusionary Yeah, I mean, act? it was 
Yeah, I guess it, everyone's <laughs> it's an act of love in some <laughs> yeah. weird Tough fucked love. up way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh boy, Vinny, do you have uh, much of a relationship with pranks? Ooh, pranking. I I remember one my only good prank I've ever done. Wow. In the history of my pranking, uh, I used to <laughs> I used to have bunk beds with my younger brother, who I love dearly. He's a great guy, um, Anthony Kochi. And one morning I woke up really early on April Fool's Day, which is fairly recent at the time of this recording. Which is what happened to Brace. Yes. Yeah. It was in, in, it, an this April is very Fool's recent. Day. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, can I quick give a commendation to how much grace under fire you had? You acted like a consummate professional in the face of what was truly devastating news. Uh, so respect <laughs> to you. that. Thank you. Um, and I put a between our two bunk beds, I had the top bunk, my brother had the bottom bunk. I put a continuum of clear cellophane packing tape. Ooh. And then I climbed down on the side and I got right next to his head and said, oh my God, we're late for school. The bus is already here. And he rolled and bolted out of bed and got mummified in a cocoon of cellophane tape. Still to this day, the only successful prank I've ever pulled. I believe that. (laughs) <laughs> God. No, I mean you're just, just you're so cruel. sweet. No, no, you're so sweet. I'm a naive buffoon, well, incapable of deceit. Grant, uh, what well, about No no now <laughs> you're giving yourself too much credit. Like you, this is you're not pious, point. buddy. <laughs> Grant, what about you? Do you have any uh, good pranks to repass? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, to be clear, like I would I think you could throw a prankster as a middle name. You're a bit of a Loki character in, in North uh, yes. mythology. Sure, sure, the, sure. The yeah. Troublemaker. I think I was uh, class clown voted in high school. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, probably one of the more recent ones was uh, roommate. So, as uh, as maybe you saw Brace and Vince, as you're aware, we do a lot of DJing here. There's a disco ball in the living room. Uh, among among those uh, mood modifiers, we have a fog machine. And uh, my roommate Corey came back from a business trip recently. And, uh, oh man, this was delightful. So <laughs> we we had Joe, my other roommate, in his room just running the fog machine. Like once we knew he was coming back and Corey, Corey walked in the house and he was like trying to go to his room. He'd been gone for like a week and he was just like, just let me go. I was like, no, Corey, come DJ, man. Like, come here. It's so fun. <laughs> and j- meanwhile, Joe is just sitting there jamming on the fog. fog, the fog, 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 fog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we, <laughs> so we had him filling it up and then, uh, Joe, Joe's in there, Corey's DJing, and finally he's like, all right, like, I'm going to go to my room. I'm like, fucking leave me alone, guys. And he walks over, he walks over to the door and like, oh yeah, I'd put a towel, I'd put a towel in front of it and uh, to stop because their fog was seeping out while he was in there. And he's like, why is there a towel in front of my door? And I was like, oh, I think uh, one of the other roommates was smoking in your room or something. And he's like, what like that's so weird <laughs> and he opens the door and just gets demolished oh, yeah yeah and like i for like a quarter of a second he thought there was like smoke really he was just like oh my god and then it was just like hit him. but it was just it was a really beautiful moment those are the best pranks no one's hurt people are surprised yeah confused uh, I, think, I feel like Joe might have some like lung issues though. Like later, <laughs> later on down the line, it this was is like, the sacrifices you make for a good prank. That's totally normal. Yeah. Um, Brace, have you ever been on the giving end of a prank? I've been told by a variety of coworkers in my office that that 
was greatly deserved on my aspect. Oh, <laughs> oh. uh-oh. I, I tend not to take too many things seriously. Respect. So I tend to have fun with a lot of people. So Just have fun, uh, baby. I've never gotten anybody that bad, though, so that was very good on their part to get me back <laughs> pretty dang good. I got to be honest. I was tempted to, like, but it, get, it would get complicated, but just have this whole podcast be a prank on you. <laughs> a follow-up <laughs> prank. And looking over at the computer, yes, we're not recording. <laughs> we have not recorded. This is, uh, these mics are made of chocolate. <laughs> um, no, this is not a prank. Uh, in fact, it's been a very... The show's uh, sort of an elaborate prank, I feel like. The, the show is a prank on anyone who listens to it. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, no, please keep listening. But in a cons- completely sincere sense, we really appreciate that you've taken the time to join us. This has been a fun, illuminating conversation. I think one of the big drivers at the beginning of season three for us was having people on that weren't from the most expected spheres of creativity and media, uh, so your your classic advertising types, yeah, and having more people who were specialists and kind of had a, a unique view on their art form, and I think that's definitely something that you've brought to this conversation. So, thanks for that. But we do have a couple, two, couple of questions, a pair. <laughs> A double uh, of <laughs> twins. No, wait. Oh, wait. It would be the same then, technically, yeah, right? Fraternal twins. But different. Yeah, they're fraternal twins. Of questions. Of fraternal for you. Twins. Uh, the first question, uh, pretty simple. How can our listeners support you, Brace? Ooh. I mean, that, that's tough. I, I would pitch a follow on the Instagram. Yeah. You're a photographer. You post really Instagram lovely photos. I guess Instagram is probably my driving force. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, I like to be very active on. Ooh. Uh, now, how can they find you? That would be Brace Hemelgarn, my name. That's a tough name to spell, we'll though. A lot of people that. call me Bruce, Bryce. <laughs> Bruce, and Bryce. <laughs> Bruce and Bryce. Nah, those aren't it's right. Brace with an A. It know? is sort of a unique name. I don't know many people named Brace. I know it's one not... person. Is it That's him? him. Oh, wow. It's this guy. What a jokester, Vin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Keep him coming. <laughs> I'm the true prankster. <laughs> uh, Instagram, Twitter, and I checked out your portfolio, de- portfolio today. <laughs> if I can talk. Yeah. Uh, and Lots of really good, great stuff on there. Thank so, you. You leveled um, that up, Craig. Good, good, great good, stuff. good to great. It's good, good stuff. That's also great. there's good stuff. There's great stuff. There's uh, okay stuff. So definitely check that a out. A real spectrum, <laughs> big variety. Yeah, uh, that'll be in the show notes. The second question we have for you: If you would like our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Ooh, that's a deep question. That's a big one. Yeah, I told you in the pre-roll that we didn't have to be profound or prophetic, but... We lied. It was a prank. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Ha, ha, ha. I don't know if it necessarily answers it, but just finding something that you love to do. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me. I didn't even know I loved photography until I kept shooting for a few years, and now it's like I bring a camera everywhere I go. I mean, having my iPhone on me is just like a second tool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you can be creative whether it's sports or not, and just you see something, shoot it, and it's art in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's me. I bring, I guess, yeah. Find something that you love and follow it. As corny as that sounds. No, it's super on (laughs) point, though. I mean, I I think it's like, you know, we talked about even finding sports and then using photography to interface with it. I think finding a thing to interface with the reality of life can be truly, truly helpful and give context to the rest of your life and your work. I mean, that it's really... It's really interesting and it's really refreshing in a way to understand that your love for photography was born out of your love for sports. 
that's unique. So, yeah, yeah. It, it is unique. And I think there's sometimes a pressure or an infatuation with some sort of reverence for the art in our work. And to have someone that can be candid about how they kind of organically grew into a ph- photographic artist through their love for sports is really, it's refreshing. I guess I kind of came like backwards compared to everybody else I work with. I mean, a lot of people, photography students, whatever. Yeah. I've I've never taken a photography class in my life. Mm-hmm. I just I learned by doing. That's how I've always done. I mean, picked up a camera and I sucked right away. I I mean, I still suck at things now. It's yeah, just, yeah, totally. You just you learn by doing and it's but it's I'm not very technical when it comes to photography where I can teach a class, but in my head I know what I like to do or how I like to do it. Mm-hmm. It's different than a lot of people, but it works for me and it's worked so far. I mean, that's the move, man. That's the move. And that's um that's kind of what it means to be in, in a major league is an intimate understanding of not only what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Exactly. I'm wondering, Mr. Brace, if you could give us a, sorry, a, a real major league sign off here. So we end the show the same pretty much every week. Literally the same exact way. I would week. say pretty much the same every week. And we'd like to leave our listeners with two words, one phrase. And that is <laughs> ship it. Uh, and I'm wondering if you could sign us off with a ship it of your own. All right. Ship it. Okay.